Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. We Christians believe that we were created by God. But who created God? Where'd he come from? Dr. Jennings joins us today via Skype to help shed some light on this subject. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, what do we need to know? We're going to talk about who created the most common view of God held in the world. This is an exploration of the version that most people have of God. Where did it come from? So our view is that there are two conflicting versions of divinity held in the world. The less common view is that God, who is creator, his laws are the design laws upon which reality operate. He built space, time, energy, matter, life itself, and his laws are like the laws of gravity, the laws of health. They are the constants that everything operates upon, and health and life itself requires harmony with these laws. Right. But there's another version of God that, that he not only built nature, but he is a rule maker, and rules require a uh, legal oversight and enforcement and punishment. In other words, the type of God that's in the image of a Roman emperor. That is a different type of a God. Design law is how reality works, and it's concerned with the internal condition of the heart. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, Luke 17, 21. It is actually concerned with character. The only aspect that we actually take to the next world is our character. That's what we take. Mm -hmm. This is the new covenant of God writing his law on our hearts and minds. Imposed law, though, is not based on how reality works. Imposed law is what humans want. It is not concerned with the condition of the heart, but controlling behavior through made-up rules and inflicting punishment. Morality of deeds, is it right or wrong to do this or do that, is based out of imposed law, the systems of the world, and this is what societies want. Divine law is not focused on morality of deeds, it's focused on love in the heart. So in a sinless world where everyone loves one another and no one would ever exploit another, they would rather die than see another one taken advantage of, where there's perfect cooperation, there's no need for external rules to limit selfish exploitation and behavior, no imposed law in a sinless world. But in a sinful world where people live in fear, where people are selfish, where people hurt others and take advantage for themselves, without imposed rules that limit what other people do to each other, then it's the law of the jungle. Just uh, the, the strong survive and the weak get killed and take advantage of. And human societies like that become chaotic. And so the rules of law develop because in the chaos of the jungle, people figured out that if they cooperated together as a group, then a group could overcome an individual strongman. And so they began forming groups and making up group norms or group laws that everyone agreed to abide by so that they could survive against the individual strongman. But morality of deeds is constantly changing. So what we find is that what is lawful and legal in one place and time in human history is no longer lawful and legal in another place and time in human history. We can even see this today in our own society about how laws governing alcohol, tobacco, illegal drugs, marijuana, euthanasia, abortion, and so forth and so on. It's constantly shifting and changing because it has nothing to do with the hearts of people. It has to do with what behavior behavior they engage in, and, and people are constantly shifting and changing. 
You see, humans can pass laws to make tobacco and marijuana legal. They can never pass laws to make them healthy. And that's the difference. If you want to live in harmony with God's laws, then you don't smoke cigarettes, even if it's legal to do so, because it violates the laws of health, and therefore it will ultimately damage you. So it's not about the external behavior of smoking, it's about the internal operations of how reality works. If God is our creator and his laws are design laws, then how did the most common view, and the most common view of God is he's a rule maker, and rules require punishment, and there's going to be a judgment, and he's going to review your deeds, and sin is the bad stuff you do, and there's a record of that bad stuff, and somebody had to be punished for that bad stuff, and Jesus took the punishment, and if you don't get his payment to your account, then God will punish you. This is the most common view. Where did this common view come from? It's a direct result of sin itself. Sin, violating God's law of love, results in fear and selfishness and the breakdown of harmony and the breakdown of cooperation. Uh, It results in chaos. And the chaos of sin, the fighting to survive, resulted in adaptation in those who survive. We see this both physiologically and societally. Consider a beautiful leopard who has all of these adaptations physiologically with claws and and fangs and, and the ability to stealthily move in, all for one purpose, to kill other animals. The Bible gives clear indication that in the new earth that the lion will lay down with the lamb. Somehow lions and leopards will be different. They won't be adapted to kill to survive. So we can see how sin changed the leopard, the lion, the hawk, the eagle, such that they are predators that tear flesh now. There's no question God did not create them this way. That's an adaptation of sin in the world. But Humans have also adapted because of sin, not just physiologically, we've adapted sociologically because of how the earth has changed, climate, genetics, relationships, all these things changed because of sin, and we became fearful of death. And the Bible tells us this. And thus, in this sin state, fear of death, humans discovered that if they band together and create laws, that they're more likely to survive and less likely to be taken advantage of. But the human rule of law, approach to governance is every bit a creation of sin as the leopards, canines, and retractable claws. Mm. God does not run his universe this way. But humans discovered that if they did do this, they could survive better. So tribalism was born, and then city-states were born, and then nation-states took over. And as the rule of law became ever more increased, the quality of people's lives increased. Give you an example. Wild, wild west in the United States with the gunslingers, the fastest gunslingers and the ones with their, their biggest posse of, of guns, they were the ones who could ride in and dominate until the U.S. marshals and circuit judges came. And then the community sheriffs and the local judges and then greater police forces with prisons and enforcement of the rule of law resulted in societal gains, better economy, health care, education, infrastructure, housing, personal wealth. Thus, society improved as the rule of law came in a world of sin. And over the course of the history of the world, societies have varied in their application and strength of the rule of law. There is a percent increase in success as you increase rule of law up to the point of taking away liberties. And there's always a tension with how much law do you take? How much restriction do you give? versus how much freedoms do you take away. And in societies where the government becomes too controlling, then it begins to restrict development like in communist countries. So 
If we look at history, it was Hammurabi of Babylon who's credited with the first codified law in about 1750 BC. And societies have been uniting and making rules of law since then. Hammurabi was considered the god king. And since Hammurabi, this idea of the god king who makes up laws to protect and enforce his people has come down through all the pagan systems, and it was brought right into Christianity. And you might have heard of something called the divine right of kings of the Dark Ages in Middle Europe. When they took the throne, it was God's will that they be on the throne. And when they made a law, it was God's law. And so this idea of marrying together a rulership with imposing law and inflicting punishments came right out of ancient Babylon, right into Christianity and right into the uh, nation states of Europe. And most Christians believe that God runs his universe like a Caesar runs Rome. He makes up laws. He keeps track of bad deeds. He punishes sinners for their, for their mistakes. And thus we have this imperial legal rule of law, God. And the most common view of God has come not from the Bible, but from pagan Babylon. I can see how that has developed over the years, even to the point where we believe that the God of the universe operates under these same constraints and and laws as humans. Let's be very clear. The rule of law Mm -hmm. is the best humans can do in a sinful world. Right. right. It is the best we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it works. It succeeds. And the three greatest monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all have strong rule of law with a law-giving God who enforces the rules if you break the rules. And it resulted in success on earth, and people buy into this. But rule of law does not exist in sacred spaces. Mm. In the sinless, holy presence of God, there is no rule of law. It would have no utility. Imposed law has usefulness only where sin exists, where selfishness exists, where people would take advantage of another. But in in holy places where everyone always lives in harmony, loving others, seeking the best of others, there is no utility for a rule that says don't do this and don't do that. It would never occur. It never happens. So the rule of law is the best we have in a fallen sinful world. The problem is all of the world, including Christianity, has drunk the wine of Babylon, Okay, and they believe that God runs his universe like Caesar runs Rome, and they think that God is like this, a punishing God, an authoritarian God. It must have been a shock to some angels to hear God give the Ten Commandments because they say, you know, they didn't know this. They don't know this. This is the way we live. This is what's in our hearts already. That's got to be a shock to them. Well, it says in, uh, in the Bible that the angels long to look into these things and that we are a theater, a spectacle to angels and yeah, to men. Yeah. Angels cannot read hearts and minds. Right. They cannot do it. If angels could read hearts and minds, none would have been deceived by Lucifer in the first place. Sure. And so what has been transpiring after Adam's sin is God's principles being worked out and God is acting to demonstrate and reveal the difference between his methods and the methods of the imperialistic sinful world. Giving of the Ten Commandments was not setting up an imperial legal system. The Ten Commandments, according to Scripture, were given to help expose the condition of the heart, 
It's a mirror we looked into and see what's wrong. It's a diagnostic instrument like an MRI for our physical body. The Ten Commandments looks deep in the soul for those who look into the Ten Commandments and realize there's something wrong. And a protective hedge for children. You put up a fence to protect your kids. and And the Ten Commandments, even for the infant who doesn't understand why, but just obeys the rule. I don't know why it's bad to to cheat on my spouse, but I won't. I don't know why it's bad to murder or steal, but I won't. They protect their own souls from being damaged, their consciences from being seared, their characters from being corrupt until they grow up and realize, you know what? Now I know why my mom said not play in the street. I could get hit by a car. Now I realize why it's bad to steal because it makes me into a character of a thief. We absolutely live in harmony with the laws. We live in harmony with the law of respiration and we breathe purposely. We don't put our head underwater and tie weights to our legs and jump in a lake. We don't jump off buildings because we live in harmony with the law of gravity. We don't put toxic substances into our body because we live in the harmony with the laws of health. We don't mm-hmm. dominate and control others because we live in the harmony with the law of liberty. We worship the true God because we live in the harmony with the law of worship. No, we live in harmony with God's laws, but these laws are how life and health happen. It's not rules that we're afraid we break, we'll get punished for. Listener, we have a website. If you'd like to learn more about this topic and others, Dr. Jennings has made many, many resources available at this website, comeandreason.com. There are books to read, and there are tracks to share, and there are television programs to look at, podcasts to listen to. All kinds of good things are waiting for you there, and from time to time they give material away. You might want to check that out too. That's all at comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for clarifying some of these things for us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>